The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Live on the free Odyssey app. Welcome in to Arrowhead Pride Radio. And Mahomes is on fire! Here's the editor-in-chief of Arrowhead Pride, Pete Sweeney and Dusty Likens. Happy Wednesday, happy hump day, happy Arrowhead Pride Radio Day. I don't know what's a better part of your day on a Wednesday. The fact that you're halfway through the week, the fact that you know that fall weather is coming in, the fact that you get Arrowhead Pride, you get Pete Sweeney and Dusty Likens, JT's along for the ride, got the high school Mahomes jersey on. Mm. He's into it, man. Definitely college, but that's okay. College, yeah, okay. College, high school, same thing. Texas. Yeah. For both of them. Could you imagine growing up in Texas and going to like a high school football game and then going somewhere else for a high school football game? Like some of the stadiums they make in Texas are absolutely absurd. Yeah. Like I saw some they're doing now. It's like a new trend where they put like a little miniature football field inside the football field so that kids can play and parents know where they're at. Yeah. At Blue Springs High School, you played by the train track. The Dillon Panthers had a nice little stadium. East Dillon, not so much. That's your high school? Hmm. No, it's just oh, okay. Texas teams, yeah. Oh, yeah. See, I don't know anything about Texas teams. Okay. I know that there is uh, West Canaan, West Canaan High, Bud mm. Kilmer. Sure. Famous head coach. Right. All right. Go to the burger joint after the win. Mm-hmm. Only after the win, though. That's right. Lost, you got to go home. Yeah. So, how did. I'll answer after you did. Okay. Because you're listening to Arrow Pride Radio on 610 Sports Radio. Remember, you can ask Pete anything at the end of the night about the Chiefs game. 913-586-7610, or you can go to my Twitter, at Dusty Likens. Throw in a question. We've got one so far. Uh, it's a good one. It actually is a good question. But uh, I'll answer after you do, because this is your show. I'm just here to throw you softballs, and you hit them out of the park. How did you feel after that game? For someone who follows this team, knows this team probably better than the back of their hand, like how did, what was your like, gut feeling after the game was over? I knew that fans were going to be dissatisfied with it. Uh, just as how it ended and how it kind of transpired. And I could always tell when it's going to come off as one of these wins that feel like a loss. Mm-hmm. And I, I knew that was going to be the case. This is new yeah, for Kansas City, right, in, in recent years, that you can win a game on primetime on Sunday night football and be disappointed <laughs> in the morning. And I just I, – I know my readership by this point. I've been doing this a really long time, and I knew it was going to be one of those – Mondays, yeah. Because I think we talked last night, or Monday night, 
about how I think my opinion is I expected kind of like how you felt, but I still kind of felt some sort of like, because it seems like every game something's been missing. And there has been. Like, I feel like there's still something missing. And that's how I took this away. But I also took away from, like, the glass half full, cons- like, concept of this. Of, like, you went on the road, AFC team, at their house against the top five defense, and you won. You never trailed. You were up 17-0. to zero, And then it was tied 20-20. But never trailed. Won on the road against the top, 10 de- or top five defense. And you came out with a win. Three and one. Because in the NFL, you know, anytime you can win on a Sunday is the best way you can win on a Sunday. Yeah, and I, I think what has gotten lost in the Jets and what they were able to do defensively is after that first quarter where it just seems like, oh, man, this is going to be one of those nights just like mm-hmm. Chicago where the Chiefs win 40 to nothing. They really shut it down, right? They changed their plan. They dropped back a bit. There was some cute confusion for Mahomes where, you know, he said he got greedy, but he was trying to kind of float passes a little too much, made two really bad throws, and then all of a sudden got interesting. But what is lost in there is that, the Jets haven't allowed a 300-yard passer in 22 straight games. Like, yeah, I saw that. I, I think sometimes we get lost in the idea of the Chiefs are just going to play perfectly every week, and it really doesn't matter what the opponent lo- looks like, and it shouldn't matter what the opponent looks like. Whereas, yeah, the, the Jets are not a great team, and they're certainly, in my opinion, not going to make the postseason. However, their defense is really good. Mm. And remember, Patrick Mahomes slipped. He slid, and that would have been 30 points. And had he not thrown two of the worst balls of his life, maybe that's 40 points. And they cover. Right, which is, <laughs> which is something I know that has been on your mind. But nobody that has Patrick Mahomes' number would right. ever text him something like that. I don't know if you heard that today. I did hear that. Yeah. So Interesting. But don't bet on the sport. Uh, the other thing I, th- I took away was, you know, we'll get into, we'll get into Miss Swift because uh, obviously you've heard the news today about the Minnesota mayor, which we'll bring that up when we get into the Minnesota side of the report. Also, Ron Cop Jr. coming up at 615. This man's a fool. You got, on his, you got on his Twitter, didn't you? No, I wouldn't. I just saw you starting to smile over there, and then you came in here and gave us a death look. You got your own four hours, Carrington. Uh, this was on the New Heights podcast because this is the thing that also kind of distracted everything from the win. Oh, my computer's not on. JT. There was a controversial call. Jets fans have been complaining. Every holding call, I feel like, is controversial. My biggest problem with it is that even though it's certainly within the realm of being called a hold, I do not like when officials call questionable things at the end of games. That's all I'm going to say. I'm with you on that. I think let the guys play through. In my opinion, it, it should be a clear, blatant foul, which this was right on that board. Clear, blatant foul. <laughs> In general, and I remember talking to Gene Steratore, his whole emphasis was not to make an impact in the game if he didn't have to. And I think that's what officials should be trying to do. Let the boys play, Ref. Let the boys play. In my mind, you just have to not put it in their hands. I think that's a good way to say it. Don't even put it in the ref's hands to make that call. And listen, a lot of people do complain about the Chiefs getting late calls that go their way and then winning the game. That's what good teams do. They capitalize on mistakes that other teams make. I think that this is a little bit of a fallacy that the Chiefs get all these calls. You only remember it because they end up closing it out after these calls are made. That's football, baby. That's exactly what I told you, yes, on Monday. Yeah. And that's what I I think is is what's going to get people more and more to hate the Chiefs because when they get the extra play, they always capitalize. Like some teams, like the one we're going to play on Sunday, mm-hmm. they could get an extra play, and Kirk Cousins can sometimes still mess it up. Right. But when the Chiefs capitalize on it, Super Bowl most you know well known, Bradbury holds, Chiefs get a touchdown, game over, whatever, first down, and you can you remember the sideline audio from Jason Kelsey? Oh, that's game. 
And then you look at this week or this past week, holding run play game over. Are you not entertained? Good night, New York chiefs win. It's not that they're going to be hated. Like the Patriots dynasty was where they were hated because of cheating scandals, all of that. Maybe they didn't like bill Belichick and whatnot. They're going to not like the chiefs because people are going to continuously hate to see them get those second chances, but they play for those second chances. Like Mahomes audio that you heard, I saw a hold. I threw it. Boom. Andy Reid said all night, they've been playing aggressive, beat them at their own game. That's why people are going to hate the chiefs. Yeah. And I, I just think officiating to me, it only needs to be consistent. And that's why I just didn't get all the, the hate that the jets fans were, were spewing the other night because the other night, they were tight the entire game, mm-hmm. right? And like, just like an umpire does in Major League Baseball, they establish this is how the strike zone is going to be tonight. And I think the officials did that in that game. There were some very upset Chiefs fans mid-game mm-hmm. about the horse collar, yeah. and and they weren't thrilled. And, and it's the same thing. It's like, well, this wouldn't be such an issue if Patrick Mahomes didn't turn the football over into some of the worst throws he, he has thrown it in a long time. And I, I felt like that at the end of the game with Zach Wilson, just don't fumble the snap. Yeah. And maybe you could come away with this incredible comeback. What Travis said rings true with what I think it's, it's like, don't let the refs affect the game. You have 60 minutes of game time mm-hmm. to make sure that that doesn't happen. Well, there's big daddy C let's get into the airhead injury report. It's a new week in the NFL, which means it's time to take a look at the new injury report for the chiefs. <laughs> All right, new week, new injuries. Um, You had your report come out today. I read it. It says Chiefs head coach Andy Reid says defensive tackle Matt Dickerson. Didn't even know that guy was on the team. His knee is an issue, so he won't practice. But Nick Bolton, the ankle, and Jalen Watson, uh, the shoulder, are both back. So some some reassurgence there from the defensive side, which really hasn't been playing uh, a full unit the entire season. Yeah, and both of them also went through the walkthrough. So I think it's we'll see mode for them but good to see them back i think this could be the weekend that you get nick bolton back because i i think they would have put him on injured reserve originally if he would have missed this game so we'll see uh, i thought it was also worth noting that Kadarius tony with his toe and chris jones with his groin mm-hmm. they were limited all of last week they logged full participation today which means you know they could be getting close to full strength you know you talked about the receivers, and I think it's been a conversation all week. KT could finally be healthy. I'm not sure he's really been truly healthy all year. Yeah, so. and then another name that pops up is Drew Tranquil with a wrist injury, and then also Carl Loftus with a knee injury. Both yeah. full participants, but The still. key is full participants there. They are receiving treatment. That's why they're on the injury report. But as long as they're full participants throughout the week, you, know, you should be should be fine there. And even with Tranquil, you're, you're probably getting Bolton back. So we'll see on everything but Matt Dickerson rotational defensive tackle the only one that I think you're worried about right now and again rotational so how worried are you yeah um a lot of limited and did not practice for the Minnesota Vikings as well um the did not practices were Brian O'Neill Jordan Hicks and Harrison Smith they didn't practice obviously uh they're just there for rest is what it says uh but then everybody else limited practice looks like uh Nick Mullins, Josh, whatever, Marcus Davenport, (laughs) whoever knows who these guys are. But it looks like everybody from Minnesota that is important is going to play. So it seems like maybe this is a week where you have two full rostered teams going against each other. Um, And Minnesota got, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. they've got some offensive weapons and the Chiefs have a defensive unit that hasn't played together all year. You know, obviously week one, no Chris Jones, 
week two, Chris Jones was kind of limited. I know he was in the game against the Jacksonville Jaguars, had an impact, but didn't play a whole lot. Bears game, no uh, Nick Bolton. Jets game, no Nick Bolton or Watson as well. Uh, this week, they're fully there. So, Yeah, I, I'm looking at the Minnesota Vikings, and the only one that really stands out to me that, that could be interesting is the Bradbury injury. Mm-hmm. He's, he's limited. and That's Kurt's guy. And what the report is out of Minnesota is that Kevin O'Connell, the head coach, didn't commit to him playing this week, but there haven't really been any setbacks. That that would be an issue. And Marcus Davenport's another linebacker. But, again, they're practicing. They're just limited right now. The ones for rest you don't re- really ever worry about because that's just kind of veteran rest days and yeah. they should be fine. So everybody should be relatively healthy for this Chiefs-Vikings tilt coming up on Sunday around 3.30. Battle of the Twin Cities and Kansas City coming up on Sunday at 325. You can hear that action on our sister station, 106.5 The Wolf. Also, don't forget that you will have um, the pregame show on 610 Sports Radio and the Arrow Pride postgame show with Jay Binkley and yourself and Josh Klingler and a bunch of call-ins uh, to see how that game goes. But on the other side, lead film analyst of Arrowhead Pride, our guy Ron Cop. he breaks it down. We ask him the questions, and we ask him about the wide receiver room that you all have been mentioning and that they all asked at the podium today. We get to talk to Ron Cop on the other side. This is Pete Sweeney, Dusty Likens, and JT. This is the Arrowhead Pride Radio Show on 610 Sports Radio. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Back here on Arrow at Pride Radio, Pete Sweeney, Dusty Likens, and JT. Remember, you can ask Pete a question about this Chiefs team, what you want to see on Sunday, who you want to look at, who's going to be the person, what's his favorite Taylor Swift song, 913-586-7610. But right now, bad blood. Oh, all right. No bad blood here with Ron Cobb Jr., the lead film analyst at Arrowhead Pride, who joins us every Wednesday night around the same time. Mr. Cobb Jr., how are you this evening? I'm good. I'm good. Bad Blood's a pretty good pick, Pete. I'll, I'll give you credit there. I, I don't want to put, put a favorite song out there. I don't think I have one. Yes, but, you uh, do. I think, I think Bad Blood's a good one. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to piggyback off Pete. Damn it. There. Damn it, Ron. You're lying. You have a favorite Taylor Swift song. Quit being this guy. Oh, gosh. Uh, oh, gosh. I, I'm put on the spot. I can't even think of one. What, oh, is there, isn't there one lying. called 22 or something? Perfect. Isn't there one called 22? Yep. There where, you go. Where it is? She just flew out. What's the one she talks about? The, you know, I'm cheer captain. He, uh, you tell me. cheer captain. I'm on the bleachers. I know that one. Well, there you go. You know half the lyrics of the chorus. So don't tell me you don't know Taylor Swift song. This is uh, breaking yeah, just, news here, but where it is, she just left New York City via PJ, and Travis Kelsey's birthday's coming up sometime soon. I, I believe it's within days here, so. Did she do the Marilyn Monroe happy birthday like Marilyn Monroe did to JFK? That's a question for her. I wish I could ask her that. Uh, Ron, anyway, let's get to uh, some football. Um, This uh, past weekend, uh, we saw Isaiah Pacheco uh, run like we've never seen him before. At least to me, maybe I'm missing something. Is Is this the ceiling of Isaiah Pacheco's game with the three receptions or the whatever it was, who was second in receiving behind Travis Kelsey? And all the yards from scrimmage, is that the ceiling of Isaiah Pacheco? Or is that like just the, you know, the the A-minus game and there's still an A-plus game under his belt? 
I think it's what you can expect from Pacheco when the team allows him to, to play that way, allows him to, to go off for that way. He had 20 carries yesterday, 23 touches to, or Sunday, 23 touches total. That's I, I believe that's a career high touches wise, uh, carries wise. It, it, it's at least uh, close. I think he had 21, maybe another game. So, you know, that's as much as they've ever used him. You know, they, they like to rotate their backs and they like to get Clyde plenty of carries, you know, make sure Jarek, you know, is involved as well. But it seemed like they really, you know, hammered on Pacheco and his kind of homecoming game, right? He's from Jersey. So maybe that's one of the reasons, you know, because it, there, it is smart to not, you know, use Pacheco in this way, maybe every game you want to keep him fresh so he can have this kind of game in the postseason. but it's not only that they gave him a lot of touches. It's that they diversified the run game. You know, there wasn't a lot of shotgun run game, you know, a, a basic stuff. There was a lot of under center, a lot of pulling your guards, you know, the 48 yard touchdown run. You're, you're using Trey Smith to his best ability. And that's, getting him out into space and letting him hammer somebody. And that's what he did, obviously, on the pancake. I tweeted it out, uh, but it, it was funny. I mean, uh, by the time he hit the guy, it was five, it, and, and the time the defender landed, it was five yards away. I mean, Trey just absolutely launched him. That's what this offensive line wants to do. I mean, that's what Donovan Smith, uh, you know, wants to do. You know, that's what Trey, uh, Jawan Taylor, he's a, he's a pass protector. But if you give these guys, you know, uh, you know uh, chances to be aggressive, it matches Pacheco getting downhill too. So yeah, it was it was good to see the coaching staff kind of give them the ability to do so. Let's move from the running backs to the wide receivers, and it seems like there's a little bit of that panic level happening in Kansas City as to do they have enough in the room. So I'll give you the floor, Ron, on a on a scale of let's say one to ten, ten being the most panic filled that you could possibly be. Where are you on this crop of wide receivers, one to ten, and then just an explanation as to why you're there? Man, it, it, I, I'm getting creeping up into into like a seven. I'll say a seven wow. right now. That's higher than I thought. Wow, it, it is higher than I would I would think because it's it's something that I was excited about this receiver core coming into the room uh, coming into the year, and I think to 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 center this whole discussion around the main uh, guy I was excited about, it's Sky Moore, and just the fact that he hasn't been able to kind of find a role in this offense or, or find a role as a, a true receiver in this offense. We're seeing him kind of get a lot of the McCole Hardman treatment, being that slot receiver, doing a lot of the jet motion, jet sweep stuff, um, kind of just maybe being used in more of auxiliary ways rather than being the primary route runner. Because when he is the primary route runner, like we saw on Sunday on that third down and short to open the game, you know, he just doesn't run the route exactly how he needs to. I mean, you know, Mahomes, you could see Mahomes kind of gesture to him right after. It's, it's because he just doesn't cut it off, you know, short enough, or he just doesn't break on the ball hard enough. You know, these little things are, are adding up with someone like him. And, and he was supposed to be the guy that could beat man coverage for, for the Chiefs this year and could kind of win on his own, you know, being the isolated receiver. If he's not going to do that, you know, it, it's harder for a lot of these other guys, uh, you know, around him to step into their roles. But you are seeing a guy like Rasheed Rice, you know, emerge, you know, get more involved. The thing with him that 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 Andy Reid continues to say, and it and it stands out to anybody watching him, is how quickly he gets the, he catches the ball and turns up field. That's super important important when you're talking about these tight zone windows, you know, trying to make big plays out of these short throws. So, yeah, I think you're going to continue to see Rasheed, you know, eat into Sky Moore snaps specifically because he's a slot receiver, and you know he's gonna and he might be even more versatile than Sky, being able to block a little better. And and if they're going to like him, if they're going to keep wanting to keep throwing the ball of the middle, uh, you know, it's going to sacrifice for somebody. For one team that has a ton of questions on who can be that receiver to a team that has zero questions on who that receiver is. You tweeted uh, about five hours ago, LeJarius Sneed has his toughest wide receiver one matchup of the year on Sunday. Uh, he is on the injury report with the knee injury. So some concern, but then you said that Justin Jefferson 
uh, when targeted 10-plus yards down the field. He has caught 17 of 23 for 423 and two touchdowns this season. Ron, it seems like if you can just avoid him getting one deep, uh, you can be just fine. No, I I wanted to tweet that out because that is an, an amazing stat to me and the fact that you're talking about only his passes that are downfield. That's almost doubled any Chiefs receiver has in general this year, right? And you're talking about only passes where it's, it's, it's supposed to be harder for the quarterback and receiver to hook up. Only six incompletions out of 23 attempts on those. That's absurd. It's just how good Justin Jefferson and the Kirk Cousins connection is. And so, yeah, I am interested to see LeJarrius Need, uh, can, uh, you know, covering him on Sunday because – it is something that the Chiefs defense is, is clearly trusting Snead to do. You know, they, they've matched him up against the number one receiver over and over this year, and, and it's going to happen again. And I think I, I like when you, when you break it down in terms of Trent McDuffie is going to kind of be solo guarding Jordan Addison on the other side, who is, you know, a, an electric receiver so far in his NFL career as a rookie. You know, it, it, it kind of makes sense because Jefferson is a little bit bigger of a build. Snead can kind of match that with physicality. You saw him kind of, you know, out physical Garrett Wilson last week. So, it's going to be a really tough matchup for him, but it's a worthy one and one to watch if you're if you're watching the game. All right, Ron, let's wrap it up here. I, I know that you're eyeing the keys to this game all week. You'll have our five things to watch at arrowheadpride.com. How do you see this this game rolling on Sunday at 3.30? Yeah, I think we're in for a very fun game. Like, I'm super excited for this game. First of all, it's always, it's always nice to, you know, to get a game against an opponent you don't see all the time. Uh, last time the Chiefs played in Minnesota, the stadium wasn't even built yet. But it's it's just fun because the Vikings offense is very good. They should give the Chiefs defense a test and 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 definitely maybe score some points. But the Chiefs the Chiefs offense is up for a test against the Blitz this week, where Brian Flores, the Vikings defensive coordinator, blitz blitzes on sixty percent of dropbacks this year. It leads the league by far, almost ten to fifteen percent more than the, the second place team. And we know what Mahomes can do against the Blitz, so it might be a very fun game, uh, you know, a high-scoring game. Take your over if you're betting on this game. Ooh, love that. Always sneak in a little bet there. Ron, we'll talk to you next week. Now the Royals are done. We do this every Wednesday until the season is over. So uh, with that, have a good rest of your week. Enjoy this high-octane offensive game that you think we will see. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Ron, take care and be safe. Yes, sir. Appreciate y'all. You got it. That was lead film analyst Ron Cop Jr. Uh, the game last week is officially over, and now we move on. It is the Minnesota Vikings. They have a three-headed monster on offense. Some might say more. This is the biggest test for this defense. Pete Sweeney, JT, Dusty Likens, you're listening to Red Pride Radio on 610 Sports Radio. Side note, speaking of Minnesota Vikings, the Minnesota Twins just uh, advanced. 2-0. That was quick. Under Twins. Cash. For some people that bet on that, for those of you that are out there that are degenerates, uh, like myself or other people that like to bet on baseball in the playoffs and have to watch baseball in three months. Um, you are listening to Red Pride Radio. Dusty Likens, Pete Sweeney with you, JT, producing this uh, this little hour of great content. Thanks to Ron Cop Jr., the lead film analyst of Arrowhead Pride, for joining us like he does every single Wednesday. Um, on to Minnesota, on to the Twin Cities, on to St. Paul, home of the Juicy Lucy, home of Henry Lake. Shout out to uh, Big Henry. Um, but uh, the Minnesota Vikings. So last night when we did After Hours, we talked a little bit about their three-headed monster, uh, Addison Hawkinson and Justin Jefferson. No surprise to anybody about Justin Jefferson. I think we all probably play fantasy football, and he was probably the consensus number one overall pick, which means he's on everybody's radar. This defense, um, big challenge, right? They're averaging, uh, I don't count one touchdown against the Lions because it was a pick six that was a drop pass from Kadarius Toney. 
But so far this year, in four games, they're giving up 13.25 points per game. This is their first big test of an offensive unit with a quarterback that will sling it. We'll get to him on the other side of this. But what is your expectation with this defense against that offense in Minnesota? Yeah, it's going to be tough, right? Uh, they also have a new running back in the mix and Cam Akers. I, mm-hmm. I tend to think it's going to be a committee-style type of thing. And I think the the test is going to be tough when it comes to the wide receivers and what you were talking about in the tight end. I mean, Hawkinson is not Kelsey, but he's right there. Mm-hmm. And I think that'll be a test for the Chiefs' safeties. I also think it'll be interesting how they mix and match just – Given the fact that I, I think we've now seen Legarius Sneed, as Ron Kopp was alluding to, follow the top receiver around. I think it's based on height a lot of the time, whereas mm-hmm. Sneed will go after the taller receiver, ends up being the most talented receiver, typically speaking, on the other team, follow him around, where Trent McDuffie's going to have to take care of Jordan Addison potentially by himself, because I think the safety help you're going to have to have, again, managing Hawkinson and then also maybe doubling, bracketing Justin Jefferson sometimes so he can't kill the game i was interested uh, about justin jefferson and i asked mike edwards today while he was at the podium chief safety mike edwards just how mentally you have to understand like okay jefferson is going to get us but we need to keep our helmets on we need to stay in the game and just make sure that he doesn't have explosive plays meaning like all right we're comfortable with justin jefferson getting five yards he's going to get his Mm -hmm. but let's not have him after the contact after he breaks a tackle make it 65 yards so that's going to be the key, and a lot of times we see opponents doing this against the Chiefs who want to throw it deep based upon Patrick Mahomes' arm, but it's just keeping Justin Jefferson and really that whole receiving core in front of you as best as you can. Um, the guy that throws the ball to Justin Jefferson, Kirk Cousins, battle of the Netflix stars here in this game uh, of the quarterback. Mariota will be in the stands, I heard, too. Yeah, I think he's just enjoying being the uh, Robin to Batman of Philadelphia. He's just riding that Jalen Hurts, hoping he doesn't get hurt uh, type of thing. But uh, Kirk Cousins, I have the opinion that he's going to give you two turnovers. Last week, he threw a pick six that went to the house. Uh, Prior to that, he had thrown an interception against the Chargers, which ultimately ended the game in the the red zone of all places, which is a big no-no. But you have to capitalize on that. You have to know that... Kirk Cousins, but I will say every once in a while can be that quarterback where people look and they're like, see, this is why he makes, you know, the money he makes. This is why teams put their trust in Kirk Cousins. But I still think with a defense that the Chiefs have, with the pressure that they can, you know, create with Chris Jones up front, with Karloftis and Nick Bolton finally back, at least he's at practice, you got to think that Kirk Cousins is going to give you two opportunities and you have to capitalize on that, whether you get 14 points or seven points off turnovers. I think that's kind of where you'll win this ball game. Well, I, I think it's two turnovers for even the middling defenses. The Chiefs could have more than that. Mm-hmm. And we've seen that they're having this ball hawk ability we haven't seen in a while from that side of the ball. I think the pressure that they can get on this, this Vikings offensive line it is just going to be something that Kirk is not going to be able to deal with just went with the way that Chris Jones is playing, but it's not just Chris Jones. I mean, it's, it's Mike Dana, it's George Karloftis, it's relentless. And I think when you can get cousins off the spot, he's one of those quarterbacks who can fall off and fall off quickly and, and, and get in that rattled mode. And I think the earlier the chiefs can kind of tap into that, the better off they'll be defensively. And of course, if Kirk cousins is rattled, that's what sort of diffuses the problem of Justin Jefferson. So I, I really like the chiefs front this year. It's just, 
it feels weird in a way talking about this vaunted, tough Chiefs front seven. But it's fun. It's where we're at right now, and I, I think that it's going to be a problem for Minnesota and Kirk. The question that we continue to have, which is kind of the fun part of the end of this, is the, is she going to show? And I don't think we have to say her name without saying it. I mean, obviously we will. Taylor Swift uh, to Minnesota. So the thing that brings this kind of to fruition of the whole thing is Minnesota's mayor, and this is per TMC, so you know it's true, right? <laughs> they, if they have it, you have it. So Jacob Frey, who is the mayor of Minnesota, uh, tells TMZ that he and the rest of the city are ready to welcome Tay-Tay, mm. I don't think that's her nickname, uh, with open arms this Sunday uh, for the Chiefs-Vikings game. He says, we all know too well, barf, uh, the positive impact that Taylor Swift has on the city she visits. Minneapolis is no exception. Uh, he brings up that the economy boosted when she came to do a two-sold-out show at U.S. Bank Stadium in June. He says, here's how you know Mayor Frey has his fingers crossed. If Taylor chooses to come back to Minnesota, sometimes known as Swift to or whatever he wants to call it this weekend, we'll be ready for it. It's possible she will have to console Travis Kelsey after the Vikings beat the Chiefs, but there are plenty of great spots across town for them to go on a date and lift their spirits. For what it's worth, uh, the Swift yeah, whatever the city's called, uh, they literally changed the city's name, if only for a short time. So, yeah, they, they, they love her, too. Uh, is she there in Minnesota to watch Travis Kelsey and the Chiefs? I don't know about this week. Minnesota's a tough – that's true love if she's in Minnesota. After you read that whole thing out, I, it just occurred to me, like, the mayors have, have to just stop. This, right. should, this should be just a, a blatant sign, a blatant signal to Mayor Q. Like, you don't need to chime in with these big sporting events. I don't – Last mayor they got called a jabroni. Maybe this is a hot take. Mm-hmm. Let's see if you agree. Bring it. Why are the politicians even at the parade? Like nobody is. Nobody wants to hear from the politicians. No offense to them. I'm sure they do a fine job. Because it's their city, they have to put their face there. No, I don't care to hear it. No, I want to hear drunk athletes at ten o'clock in the morning tell me how excited they are. And the Cincinnati mayor last year calling Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes' daddy, and. How'd that, how'd that work like out for him? It provided some motivation in a weird way. Yeah, like, really I don't didn't. know if I'm a if I'm a mayor, I'm in the shadows. I think at this stage. And then not only that, Minnesota doubles out. We are only at Wednesday. Okay, right. I just want to make this very evidently clear. We are only at Wednesday. Hump day. And yeah, great day. Um, quarterback Byron Murphy, heard of him? Uh, he said he plans on trash talking Travis Kelsey. Quote saying, "I'm going to say something to him to get him going. Is she going to come to this game? We're locked in." But that would be something. I've been watching her since I was a kid. That would be cool, for sure. Not for him, because we're going to try to get our hands on him in front of her. Pretty cringy. Yeah, I don't know. Why are you trying? The, look at this. The dog won't bark if you don't lurk about, right? He ain't going to bark at you if you don't say anything or run at the fence and, ah, you know? Why are you doing this? Your team is one in three. And I think... This team is three and one. The Chiefs also have a proven track record of like playing well when people do stuff, right? Like the Raiders on the logo that one day, you know, if there's ever kind of any kind of trash talking, it seems like the Chiefs really know it. Patrick Mahomes never talks about it at the podium, but then he's like counting on his fingers in different ways and flexing at the other team and yelling at them. I, I don't know. I would take the Andy Reid approach if I was all these teams playing the Chiefs, which is like, don't, Just don't say speak. anything. And even if they're Chicago, who is very clearly the worst situation, disaster, you know, 
in the league, he's still walking up to the podium saying, you know, good, well-coached football team. And Right. Don't. We look forward to the challenge. Because he, motivating is real. I, and and someone showed that to Travis Kelsey today, right? Mm. Oh, well, I mean, dude, he's on his phone. He was on his phone talking to LeBron. Right. And so. He's got bigger fish to fry. Yeah. So for me, I, I just don't know why they're doing it. It never works. It never works. It's not fun. I mean, they, they try to call it Burrowhead and, right, and burrowhead. all that. And here we are. Um, last one is this, cause I have a feeling in my gut that maybe this is the first like Mahomes game this weekend. We haven't seen it yet. Now the bears game, you could say whatever, but come on. That's just, that was like a scrimmage, uh, Jacksonville, 17 points, the terrible yeah. game week one. And then last week was just kind of a meh, but is this like the first game where it's like, all right, well, week five, I'm going to turn it on. This isn't just trash talking. I think that's happening externally. And I don't even want to call it trash talking internally. Cause I don't think the fans are, are talking trash, but I, I think Mahomes is very aware of what the conversation is. Now. I think a lot of times players play dumb at the podium cause they don't mm-hmm. want to get into it and have to say a statement or something about it. But I think he's very aware of the questions right now about the receivers and his teammates and whether the chiefs are at that level. And I think that can be just as motivating as trash talk, especially in the frame of Mahomes. And so mm-hmm. saying all that, I'm answering you, yeah. I, I think this is a game where he and Andy and the offensive staff, they put it all together and try to really answer the doubters of whether they have enough in the room to be a championship team. And I, that that's part of the reason why I personally it was on X today and I was like, this is still a first place. Three and one mm-hmm. team, first place in the conference. If you really look at the production right now of Juju Smith Schuster and Nicole Hardman, who weren't with this team last year, it isn't good. It does look like Juju has a broken body. He's, he cannot have the same production. They're barely using a healthy McColl in New York. Mm-hmm. So it's basically the same cast of characters in the receiver room as last year, plus Rasheed Rice. And I know that Kadarius has not really been truly healthy. What else is new? But <laughs> what I'm saying is. They can still win a championship with these guys. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't, I don't, I know that Ron Cop said, and I, I invited it, like the seven panic in the receiver room. Man, until we get to like week eight, let's give these young players some time to develop here. And and so, anyway, long story short, rant over. I think this is a really good game for Patrick Mahomes. I think it's a really good game for, for Travis Kelsey. And included in that is the receivers. Love it. That's Pete Sweeney. Uh, get your questions ready. 913-586-7610. On the other side, we get into the Arrowhead Pride mailbag. Pete Sweeney, Dusty Likens, JT, 610 Sports Radio. Listen to Arrowhead Pride Radio. Back here on Arrowhead Pride Radio, Pete Sweeney, Dusty Likens, JT with you as well as it is uh, week five in the Twin Cities versus the Purple People Eaters. I think that is literally their nickname. I didn't I didn't just make that up off the cuff. Do you like cusp. the horn that they, they play? I think they copied everything. At the game? Yep. They copied the horn. They copied the skull chant from what's, what, Iceland. What's the horn? The, every time they score, it's like the... No, no, I know what it is. Who did they copy it from? <laughs> name us, name us a soccer team overseas. Oh, okay. Somebody's done it. You mean... The Viking European horn? European football. Yeah. Yeah. European football. Oh. So annoying. That and incomplete are the two most annoying things. I'm also not fond of the... I I tend to think the incomplete is the most annoying chant in the NFL. Of any chant, it's the most annoying. Way more than the horn. 
I, I kind of like the horn. I'll be honest with you. Imagine they did it for their own team. Then they'd really not, start to hate it. Not this Sunday. Yeah. Every week, send us your questions on Twitter at Arrowhead Pride and at 610 Sports KC. Now it's time for the mail. All right. End of the hour, end of the show. We do it every week. Zero at Pride Mailbag. So if you have a question for Pete Sweeney, um, feel free to get it in. 913-586-7610 or on Twitter at Dusty Ligons, at Pete Sweeney, at Arrow Pride, at 610 Sports Radio, at Hashtag Chiefs. <sighs> um, first question comes from Twitter. In 2024, you can pick one, Tranquil or Willie Gay. Who are you choosing? It's tough. It's tough. I, I just think Tranquil's been so good, and he plays multiple positions, and I think he's probably cheaper, even still, than Willie Gay Jr. will be. And so, regrettably, because I really like Willie, I would say Tranquil. Yeah, yeah I think he's going to get a big uh, a big contract as well. Um, Let's see here. Yada, 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 yada. Question early. What should we expect out of the Chiefs? Which team will show up? That from the 913. Say that again. Which team is going to show up against the Minnesota Vikings for the Chiefs? I mean, I, I think the one that is the one that we're all used to. I mean, I, I think it's just a matter of time for this offense. I think it's a young offense. And, you know, I, I tend to think at some point here it's going to click. Mm. Kind of like it does with every young team. You know, at a certain point, Patrick Mahomes is going to be Patrick Mahomes. I think he wasn't himself that last game. I think part of that had to do with the New York Jets. I think this is an easier defense to to run plays against. And I think you're gonna see the Chiefs. Nice to do this nice mix and match of, of ground and pound. And you know, I I tend to think this is gonna be a more dominant performance, similar to one in Chicago than the one you saw against New York. This from the six six oh ask Pete. Will Juan Taylor turn it around? I think so. The Chiefs really do their homework, especially when it's these free agent grabs. You know, I, I think about Justin Reed, whereas I know that that Justin Reed was fairly well-known, but I, I think they really felt like, okay, we can take Justin Reed and he can really play this role that Tyron did for us, and he's younger and he's cheaper and he could really grow into this leadership thing. And again, I know it's on the other side of the football, but I, I just think... They put a lot of work into who they bring on in free agency, and I think this has been a bad stretch for a young player who just got paid, got put in the spotlight on national television. It's been a little bit of that quicksand type of thing for him where one thing has kind of led to another. I think a a penalty-free game will be big for him, and I think once he's able to kind of tap into that penalty-free game, this won't be a problem anymore. He almost had it last week. I think it was a step forward that he was able to avoid the illegal formation and the false start. This one from the 347. Will number 19 be on the IR by Christmas game against the Raiders? Christmas game against the Raiders? Uh-huh. I believe that's December 25th. <laughs> is, that, is that when Christmas is? I couldn't hold that in. I'm sorry. Yeah. I think yeah, I think Christmas is good. Okay. You think he'll be on IR by then? I, I'll be honest with you. I saw him play against the Jets, and he took two hits, and I held my breath every time. Because it's weird that he can get hurt doing a punt return at St. Joe with no contact, and then he gets walloped by the Jets' safeties and corners and just gets right back up. Yeah, I I think that... Weird to me. Like, for me, it just would be nice to see him have a healthy stretch for, like, eight straight games. It just seems impossible at this yeah. point. And, and that's why... I, I don't know about the whole IR to Christmas thing. I, you know, I try not to make light of it, but, I, you know, just the idea of 
him playing 13 more games just feels like that's impossible. The Chiefs have 13 more games. Is he going to appear in all 13 of those games? It just feels like there's no way. And that's sad. I mean, I wish it just wasn't the case. Um, Sneed versus Jefferson. Is that the main matchup from the 913? I think so. I think if there's one person to ruin the football game, right, it's going to be Justin Jefferson. And it's can the Chiefs have this plan in place where they have Legereus Sneed. He does a good enough job, and they're able to provide him help and have a good plan. And so far, so good. Steve Spagnuolo has been really good. And I think that front seven helps. I think mm-hmm. the, the defensive line and being how good it is has been a pleasant surprise. Uh, we knew Chris Jones was going to be that. You know, we kind of knew run-stopping-wise what Derek Nani was going to be. But just George Karloftis and Mike Dana being as good as they have looked, I just I think the Chiefs have enough on the defensive side where they're not going to allow that passing attack to ruin the game, though. Um. This from the nine one three. Maybe it's time to shift from trying to force it to Sky Moore and others, and maybe start adding in more Justin Ross and Rasheed Rice. I agree. I agree with Rice. It would be nice to see Ross kind of get the looks that we thought he was going to get in the red zone with some of those fades and, and using his height and some of the, maybe the things that we saw in the preseason. Uh, I think they're they're buying into Rice. You've steadily seen his snaps increase here, and I I think we're still early here. I, I know that four games seems like an eternity, especially when you mm-hmm. wait so long for football, but I don't think the jury's out on any of these guys. And that includes Sky Moore. And these are still your second round picks over that undrafted free agent. I, I wouldn't mind seeing more looks from Ross, but I, I, I think I would go against seeing him with like this full bevy of snaps until, you know, you kind of see what you have from your picks. This question comes from Dusty Likens. Uh, good guy from what I've been told. Um, do you think Travis Kelsey in that Jets game was trying to get cute with passes because he knows that he has a defense that he can trust, that if he does make a mistake, it's okay? I don't think that. I just think he was able to convert what might be considered a cute little flick to Ooh. Noah Gray. I like a cute flick. Then he thought he could do it again, and he forgot he was playing one of the better defenses quietly in the NFL. And and it hurt the Chiefs. I mean, it Again, it's a point we're never really willing to, or an area we're ever willing to go, but Pat played bad, yeah. and it hurt the whole offense, and so it's never considered, you know, and I, I get it. I get it. You don't want to question the double MVP here, and I'm with you, but in this game, it deserves to be looked at. Last one real quick. What's Pete's favorite wine? Red, more of a red wine guy than a white. Mm, I like, them all. like I a little Pinot Noir, a little Conundrum. I like this. That's not uh, a Pinot Noir. Cooper's but... Hawk, and, and I know it's a chain, but it, mm. it makes this cabs in. That is, uh, it's very good. So if I have a go-to, mm-hmm. cheap, cheap enough, and it's, it's tasty.